You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by a really cool guest I'm excited to interview. I met him uh, over the weekend at a Limitless Conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. His name is Indar Lang, and he is the uh, the biggest house flipper in Hawaii, is yeah. what I believe his claim to fame is. His, his, oh, one, one of his many companies is, is Our Home Investments, but uh, I was super excited to get him on. So, Indar, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Aloha. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. So can you tell us your story, um, kind of where you got started and, and you know, what you're doing today in the business? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in Hawaii. Um, born very, uh, very low means, water catchment generator uh, in the in the boonies in, in Hilo. My parents grew pot for a living, born on a pot farm. Nice. Pretty, you know, that was a thing back in the 70s, 70s when my parents uh, moved to Hawaii uh, long before that. But yeah, b- born on a pot farm. Uh, raised just the Hawaiian style, local style. Um, you know, smoked weed and did all the bad stuff growing up as a kid. I'm not just not proud to say, but that's that's how I grew up surfing and doing that whole life. Um, let's skip all that fun stuff. Later on, I figured out life, got a degree in business, got a degree in electrical engineering. Um, so great degrees. And, you know, anyone out there who's in that W9 world, that's great. And you can make a lot of money with your degree. But for me, there was a top to that. There was a limit to that. You know, the W2 world, you're going to have a limit to, to what you can make. So um, I noticed that really quickly. Engineering, electrical engineering, you know, you make great money, you know, two, three, maybe 300,000, which is great. Uh, but I want to have more than that. I want to do more. I want to have more. And I started realizing a lot of people who are millionaires or had a million net worth had real estate in their portfolio. Um, did real estate, had real estate, whatever. The word real estate was attached. <laughs> um, and uh, I started diving deeper in. And I realized right off, off the bat that a real estate agent would make like, you know, whatever, 3% of the deal. I didn't want to be the guy making whatever 3%. I wanted to make the 97% of that deal. Um, and so I started pushing to learn more, um, uh, speed it up even some more. Uh, bought our own house, kind of lived in DIY'd ourselves, little condo in Hawaii, uh, probably as big as this room behind me, 500 square feet for 200,000. It's tiny in Hawaii. It's, you know, Hawaii is a different animal on its own. Uh, did uh, bought that, lived in at that same time. My wife pushed me into one of those uh, flipping programs. This was 2013, I think. And which we joined one, up. Which one was it? Uh, it was Fortune Builders at the time. We joined that up with that. Yeah. My first, my first uh, little deal that I went to, they came to a local hotel. Yes. And gonna, flipping Baton Rouge. And it, it <laughs> being, being now. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of great ones out there. And it was great for me at the time. They just helped for that beginner, helped me start out. And they're very, very expensive. So um, I had to really go for it and dive on in. And I, I would work all day. Uh, at the time, I was after an engineering job and all that. I worked for my dad's construction company, and I was working all day for him, and then trying to learn, and then eventually flip at night. Um, spent nine months before I got my first deal 
just pounding and writing offers. And it was, it was really daunting. And anyone new out there listening is, uh, it's not an overnight success. This, this, this thing, it's not a, like a one-time get rich kind of thing. It's, it's, it's grinding and it's years of uh, fails and, and the struggles to, 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 to get where a lot of people are at. You, you may say it on Instagram, it, it looks easy and, but it's a grind. It's a, it's a, I was working a full-time job and staying out until 10 o'clock at night, Saturday, Friday, Saturday nights, um, just learning, uh, writing offers, whatever it may be doing, putting in the work. And, um, yeah, it was hard. It was hard that first nine months because uh, spent uh, whatever thirty five thousand on this program and it wasn't getting a flip. And I was like, oh, sh-, like really frustrated. And it's gotta and, be, uh, it's gotta be hard in your market, like you know, yeah. Hawaii. I mean, you're doing all this in Hawaii, where <laughs> yes. yeah, you know, they don't exactly have the best. I mean, <laughs> your houses are like you're buying like million dollar houses. And yes, for one point five. That's crazy to me, you know. I, uh, I'm in a, I, I'm in a whole different world. You know, we buy houses for 150 and, you know, we're all in for 200 and sell them for three. Um, that's a high risk game you're playing. How do you, how do you even fund that kind of thing as starting off? Well, it's funny you're saying that because I was going to dive in a little bit more in my story is when I eventually started flipping and did my first flip, no one was scaling Hawaii. No one was doing white big. And, um, and I looked at that and I looked at it that somebody was going to figure out and somebody was going to do it. Somebody was going to scale Hawaii, scale, you know, be a larger flipper in Hawaii. And there was no one. And I saw that as opportunity, not not as scarcity, as an opportunity to figure it out. And it's the it's actually less riskier to me in Hawaii because uh, price points are bigger. It gives us room for our, our profits are bigger. So sure. less room for air. I mean, more room for air in a sense. Your price points you can sell a house at vary sometimes by hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, it's good or bad. Um, yeah. The hardest part is just you have to raise bigger capital to do it. And, uh, you know, again, somebody's going to figure it out and somebody was going to do it. So that person was me. <laughs> um, I, do, I do like I do like the larger. So like in theory, you know, it costs to put a roof on a 2000 square foot house, right? It costs the same, whether the house sells for a million or the house sells for 50,000, like it's the same, the yeah, roof yeah. costs the same thing. Well, we have a, a little cost, more higher costs here in Hawaii because every, everything's shipped in when we don't have nothing here. So everything is brought in. So, so we have some- have- you have material yeah. higher hiked up material costs as well. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I I pretty much buy everything through Home Depot as much as I can, and Home Depot is nationwide, of course. But uh, there's other things that hike it up as well. But um, we did our first flip uh, after. Sorry, back in track here. We bought our own house. We lived in it. We sold it. I lived in it for two years. So anyone living in their own house, if you live in it for two years and you sell it, you pay no capital gains. So we uh, got our own house and sold it and paid no capital gains, made 90 grand on that. And then I took that 90 grand and instead of uh, buying another house, which we did later on, we put it into our first flip. And that was helping with our gap fund to do our first flip. So a lot of people, new people out there may ask, like, where do you start? The always, the, for me, I tell people the best place to start, um, if you can't uh, either wholesale or just go to a bank and get a loan and whatever the bank gives you. If the bank gives you a hundred grand, go buy something for a hundred grand. The best place to start 
is get free bank money. I mean, bank money normally is cheap. I mean, we're still in the 5%. So guys, that's still cheap. I got a notification. The Fed raised us another 75 bips. <laughs> Today? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. When I actually, when I bought that house back in 13, I was at five and a half, but that was yeah. five and a half percent back then. You know, five, five is Dude, the we've, norms. We've been spoiled. We've been spoiled yeah. the last decade. People don't realize people are all freaking out. I'm like, well, this is what it was like forever before. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, they're up to sevens normally back before. So we'll see how this market corrects. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so got our, we lived in our first place. Um, we did a wholesale deal real quickly right off the bat as well to help just get some money back in uh, to recoup some money. Uh, wholesale is a quick, easy, no hassle process. process. I bought a, locked up a piece of land on Craigslist and put it under contract and put it back on Craigslist and sold it, made 10 grand. Um, you know, easiest 10 grand I've made. And um uh, wholesaling isn't not where I went down, but it's a hard industry here in Hawaii. And then from then on, we just took on project after project, one, two, the first year, three, four, you know, the next year. And we kept on growing that. And I would take on the hardest projects and the hardest areas that no one wanted. Uh, y and I it was like the big outskirts. I would go out there and I would find properties that just were tore up, um, ready to fall through the floors. And we're jacking up homes and changing support beams, the ones that no one wanted. And uh, to me, again, somebody's going to do that deal and somebody's going to figure it out. And either it was me figuring it out or somebody else. And that's just always my mindset. Now, is you, men you mentioned you used to work for your dad's construction company. So you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you have a, a history of construction. So I think, yeah. does that, do you find that gave you an edge? You know, I, I, I had, I didn't know how to, hang a doorknob when I started doing this, you know what I mean? I still am not very good at like, if I have to go over there and do something myself, but you know, would you say your background in construction and like growing up in that allowed you to look at a project and not be as scared of it? Um, yeah. I mean, any kind of education, any kind of thing, you know, that over somebody else, of course, can help you. I'm not going to say no, but it's not as important as you would think. The more important part of the deal is finding investors, finding a good deal. Honestly, the construction side of a job, you're going to make it nice. You're going to make it new. You're going to put new paint. You're going to put new tile. It's not construction to me. It's just always pretty straightforward. It's not uh it's not rocket science. Um, sure. You know, you got these guys drinking beer all weekend and then come back to work on Monday, you know? So yes, it's skilled labor and they get great at it, but um, it's very, you're going to make it new. So it's not, uh, it never, it never dawned on me too much of the, of the construction side of it all. I, I mean, I take on some heavy rehabs. We're doing a 800,000 rehab right now. And um, on, a, on a house and, um, you know, they're heavy construction projects, but uh, the more important was finding the deal, finding the numbers that work to support everything else. Sure. And so what is your typical, what is your typical project look like? What are the numbers typically? I mean, we do, we do some really high end stuff. Uh, I think we just bought a 2.2, .2, we'll put 300,000 into it and we'll sell that at three, 3.3 .3 million. Um, yeah. So we do a lot of things. I don't even say million anymore. They just say 2.2 or something. But 
that. A lot of zeros, of course, involved. But um, my favorite projects are the smaller ones. The, you know, the, the cheap project for me is like four or 500,000 purchase and maybe 100,000 rehab and we'll sell it. I don't know, eight, seven or eight hundred thousand. That's a small little baby project for us. And um, they're a lot easier because in a higher end rehab, you have to be very intricate with, you know, LED lighting and waterfall and countertop edges and this and that, you know, they're expecting more from it. You know, on a lower end rehab, you can, uh, you don't need as much intricate to it all. so it depends. And, um, you know, a big question I get from realtors often or even investors is what kind of, you know, pro- what kind of profit or numbers or you want to see and or you know, what you want to buy it at, really. And uh, because our projects are so, it depends on the project is my always best answer to a, a realtor out there is if I'm going to do $200,000 worth of work and buy it for, I don't know, a million bucks, I'm not going to want a $80,000, profit on that thing. Sure. So I don't actually look at my ROIs. I look at the profit because the profit to me is my risk factor. Am I willing to take that risk to make this much amount of money? Because that profit is my cushion for any nuances, you know, delays and overages so on a heavy rehab and a two three million dollar rehab you you better make a lot of money they project a lot of money off of that thing to cover your butt in case in case and i've been there and i've been there and i've broken even on deals Uh, my third flip ever i lost 80 grand on that deal every one of my investors got paid every contract everyone got paid and we just sucked it up and moved moved on moved on yeah, if you haven't lost in this business, I, I don't, uh, I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> um, how how does Hawaii respond to the the larger market? Right, I always say like, like my market, for example, I'm in South Louisiana. Like, we got a median household you know, 220 or something. So we're not skyrocketing and we're not, you know what I mean? So typically when the market goes crazy one direction or another, we're not seeing like, you know, major appreciation, but we're also not seeing major crashes versus like looking at like a Miami or, or a, somewhere in California or Las Vegas, where like, oh, it appreciated 200% in the last year and a half. And then, oh, now it's worth uh, 40% of what it was last year, you know, is Hawaii being a much higher end market is Hawaii um, sensitive like that? Or is it, does it seem pretty stable? Yeah. I mean, so we, we have the benefit of we're a global destination. We have China, Japan, right to the left of us out this way. And we have a huge influx of, of Japanese and Chinese and, and Asian uh, Filipino flow um, those markets coming over to us. So, you know, as we are influenced by the Hawaii real estate market as well, I mean, the U.S. real estate market, we do have, uh, you know, worldwide presence. You know, Hawaii is is definitely a destination place, obviously, as you, you would know. Um, so for us, I what I see is supply and demand is what dictates our market. We, we generally can't keep up with supply. And before COVID, before everything, we just don't have enough housing for the amount of people that want to move to Hawaii, that want to 
get Hawaii's their second home or they want to just place money. We have a lot of Asian cultures that just want to put their money into Hawaii, buy something. Um, so we have a big push uh, more so on supply and demand. But yeah, we tail off of California. We, we do tail off of California and some other um, higher end stats. Um, but we, I feel like we're in our own little niche of a market. Um, so much so with uh, uh, even our housing, uh, how the houses are built here and so forth. They're not a lot more so. We're, I feel very different than the mainland. Um, how how are the supply controls like how how easily do they give out permit i would imagine they'd probably try and be protective of a lot of the beautiful landscape you know like is that is that a challenge if you were to want to go develop land like i mean what kind of are they are they stingier with the giving out permits? oh there's <laughs> a huge topic right now in hawaii it's a it's a it's a shit show for lack of a better word uh there's protests going on with the dpp department of permitting um they're really backlogged there are two thousand applicants backlog right now to give out permits i have four houses in escrow ready to be sold and i can't close up my i can't even get my permit closed um to sell the houses under uh, huge backlog yeah and just just to get a normal permit so yeah a ground up permits are even harder and then of course anything by the ocean extremely harder you have a lot more to do um so there's a huge delay due to permitting and i think that the state needs to look into that because that's a lot of money you know that goes into our economy that's providing construction workers jobs uh you know the real estate in general industry we provide so much industry you know, agents and escrows and uh, um, the countless people that is, is affected through a real estate, you know, uh, uh, transaction, uh, construction transaction. And some of these huge construction companies that are on hold because they can't even work with permits. I mean, that's, that's a ton of money that can go back into our economy, into Hawaii. And um, I don't think they see that side of it all. But yeah, I'm having huge troubles with permits. It's a, I hate. Well, no, I'm, yeah, I don't think anybody likes waiting for the <laughs> city's graces. But you know, on the on the flip side of that, that probably protects you as a as a flipper, knowing that like you're not going to have some huge flood of supply come in and devalue the property in the middle of. Yeah. 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 I mean to to do a the big development that what you're referring to somebody come in and build, I don't know, a thousand houses, obviously it's going to take a very, it's not easy to do in Hawaii. Um, and I don't like to do it. Um, I've done a few little small developments, but big developments, yeah, take years and years uh, to do it. And uh, there's so much people and loopholes you have to get through. And uh, I would hate to, I hate to say it, but you have to pay off, you know, Sure. senators or whoever to do some of those big stuff so so has your business evolved from just flipping are you doing developing i think in scottsdale you told me you were doing some multifamily projects now yeah yeah so we are doing a ton of uh buy and hold and keep some burrs we have a ton of single family and we have a multifamily we have a multifamily in pennsylvania and we're working on, on two other multifamily deals right now um, and we essentially treat it like a flip. So a, a flip is we're forcing appreciation through 
uh, you know, newer kitchens, newer floors, newer updating the house. We're forcing that appreciation right away in, in, a, in a single family. In multifamily, as you know, uh, the value add is by raising rents. So you make things nice, but then you raise rents and it's the same process. So we're essentially taking the same process in the multifamily world. And uh, it's actually a lot easier in multifamily because yeah. uh, the, the rehab part is really simple. <laughs> yeah, Every, it's, it's, <laughs> I love hearing you describe it that way. That's how my investors always like it clicks for them. So when I'm trying to explain what we do with the, the, uh, the apartment complexes, they're like, so you're flipping it? I'm like, yeah, we're just spending five years to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what I, that's what the syndicators do. I mean, the three to five years is they have, they have to, that's when they make their money is on the sale. Um, and, and it's, and it's great money, of course, but you have to, you have to sell something to make it, to yeah. make that money. And, yeah. um, <laughs> so what, um, what makes you decide whether you're going to flip a house or burn a house? Like what's your criteria? I, I used to hold everything. Yeah. And then, and then now it seems like this year I'm flipping everything and, and people are like, well, how do you just determine what you're going to, and, and I think a lot of it comes down to cash flow, but I'll tell you the interest rate environment's not helping. Right. You know, everything cash flowed last year when I could get, you know, three and a half percent debt, but now it's seven and a half. I can't get anything but for cash flow. So I'm just selling it all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a guilty at that guilty pleasures of, uh, at the beginning when I just wanted it, everything now. And when I first started flipping, I was just focused on flipping because I wanted money now. And I seen, I seen the inst- instant gratification, the uh, instant I wanted all. You got now, addicted kind of. to fast money. <laughs> fast money. Exactly. And, and then not only until maybe three years back that I decided, man, I got to start keeping some of these. Um, I got to start uh, keeping for the kids, for generational wealth, for the tax benefits, and um, just for the side extra cash flow. Um, the real benefit I, I love about keeping properties now is, is for the cost segregation studies, the tax savings that we are able to gain from a cost seg. And that's just a mind-blowing thing. I, I did my first cost seg three years ago, and uh, it was like a mind-blowing thing to, to learn and do i was like oh my god I can't believe everyone doesn't know about this <laughs> and um and we saved it. and anyone out there if you guys don't know what a cost say it is check it out it's really amazing for real for real estate for taxes um because hey we're ca- we're making a ton of capital flipping and uh, hawaii is a huge uh, uh tax state uh, or the largest income tax state um, and I actually ran into that trouble trying to find a good uh, CPA that did cost seg, knew what cost seg was this, uh, in Hawaii, because it's not a Hawaii tax, it's a federal tax. Sure. And uh, the second I had to explain what cost seg was to a CPA, that probably wasn't my CPA. <laughs> that's, um, that's what I, I think I told you. I think, I think that's what I said to you. And Scott, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I had to explain it to the CPA what a cost thing was like, it sounds like you need a new CPA. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just about to do. So, like I said, we, we kept, you know, we kept everything for years. And mm-hmm. so I never, I never cost sick any of my single family houses or my duplexes or fourplexes. 
And we did do a cost seg on a, a 54 unit last year, which was great. You know, everybody, mm-hmm. everybody took home a huge negative K1, but um, you know, I'd never flipped anything. So I'd never had like a ton of, of income to offset, but all the houses I'm selling this year, we're going to go back and we actually found somebody who can, who can do the cost seg on the single family and in, in an affordable manner. Right. Like yeah. I think in the past it was like cost prohibitive because the, the study itself was like two grand, but now they're, they got them down to where they can do them for like 200. I think they're well, doing well, them vir- virtually or they're, they're modeling it or something. I just did a, uh, last, last year I did like 15 single family houses it was like 10 grand for 15 houses, I think yeah. it was something like that. And then, yeah, it costs more for the multi, but um, yeah, I, I love it for this single family. It, all it's got to be is like, it can't be less than like 90 grand. That's why it's like um, the house. That's why they didn't want to touch it. They told me it was not worth it. And, um, and then of course we can't be wanting to sell it within the next five years. Um and this is where it kind of gets cloudy is I, I'm told that you have to keep it at least five years after, cause that's why you're going to pay recapturing um, yeah. after five years. I think it's a really low recapture, but in general, you want to keep pretty much at least five years before you sell it uh, or, or longer, of course. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that for, for our, our listeners that aren't familiar with the cost segregation study. Uh, I, I keep I've, I've seen I like the way Tom Wheelwright breaks it down. I've seen mm-hmm. he was at that event this past weekend, and I've seen him mm-hmm. before, where he's, he he breaks it down. Basically, you know, if you buy a if you buy a property, you know, it it should depreciate over twenty seven and a half years. But um, you know, twenty percent is land, so you take that out, and then fifty percent is brick and mortar, and that's gonna that's gonna you know break down over twenty seven and a half years. But but approximately 30% of the items, like they're, they're considered contents, you know, your refrigerators, your blinds, your awnings, all that kind of stuff. Um, you're able to cat, take bonus depreciation. So you're, you're able to take all the depreciation um, the first year for that, that 30%. And it, it works out great a lot of times with the, the large multifamily properties. Cause you know, if you go buy a, a $4 million property, you're only putting down a million, right? The bank's financing the rest. Yep. Well, that million, that that you know, that that's your twenty five percent. You can pretty much, you know, you can pretty much take a loss against all that you invested. So, um, you know, yeah. our our investors and, and then a hundred grand. You know, they took a ninety thousand dollar loss. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, like you said, it it goes over. Yeah, it's been around. I mean, people know about the car depreciation and how that works. Um, with accelerated and I always refer to that if you got, most people know how to, to do the car by your vehicle divided by yeah. divided by five or something so I always explain it sometimes that way so but, um, where do you find most of your investors um, well it's a lot easier for the fix fix and flip, you know, fix and flips all over TV. It's, uh, it's hot and sexy. We're in and out. So our investors really love it because we're, you know, six months, the longest sure. a year. So most people love the quick returns and uh, high returns. Um, I pay a higher rate than all the other flippers around in, Same. in doing so. I know I suck in more investors to stick with us or come over to us. Um, and it just allows us to, do more because I'm more about bigger picture. I'd rather really take care of the investors, make them a lot of money so we can all do more together. 
you know, a big question I get a lot of times is, oh, you make enough money. Why don't you just use all your money to do one deal? And that doesn't make sense to me. Why would I want to be all in on one deal that's I'm depending on that one deal with all my money and if another deal comes up or yeah, no, the I, math works out. The math works out. I mean, I, I, I get that all the time too. You, you yeah. make way, you make way more, especially, especially with investors at a fixed rate and you're making, you know, and, and a high fixed rate, I pay a high fixed rate. I, I always tell, you know, cause people, you're right. People like the quick return, right? I'm like, yeah. Hey, I mean, you can either lend me money and I can flip houses with it and give it back to you in six months or a year, yeah. or you can invest in this apartment. You get your money back in five. Yeah. And they, they're just, they're always, they're always lean towards the quick money. And I, I try and I'm like, dude, there's a reason that I am investing all my money in apartments and borrowing money from you at this rate. You know, <laughs> but they just, I think it's a, it's a, my, you know, people want to see it. People, a lot of people mm-hmm. have that, 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 you know, conceptual thing about cash. Like I want to, I want my pile. I want to hold it. I yeah. want control yeah. of it. So I don't yeah. lose it, you know? Um, it's easier to explain a, a house flip too and then the syndication model you know talking about irr and you know all that kind of stuff and um, you know in a flip it's very sh- straightforward of what you're going to do and we're going to buy it for it's it's you know they're watching tv shows on it so it's not like you're yeah. everybody gets it yeah, yeah. so um, I want to hop over to our radio round real quick just to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better so it's just three quick questions the first one is, what's your favorite book? You know, I've been on Bigger Pockets and a lot of podcasts, and uh, the, the number one answer I know is, uh, of course, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad. But I want to break everyone's mindset: is don't stop reading. You're reading too much. Everyone is a great reader. You're listening to, you know, the books on audio. Go and do. Action is the greatest book of all, and I think that's the one thing that separates. Uh, you know, successful people in this business is taking action. Is uh, it what is a quote ready, uh, fire, aim, ready, ready whatever it is. Ready, <laughs> ready, fire, aim. Yeah. Ready, fire, aim. Yeah. So, and that, that what that quote is talking about is to go do and figure it out later. And I often do that a lot. Is I I will just take the action right away from little things to big things. Yeah. yeah. And take then the job figure it and out. then figure it out. Yeah. So don't read the book, go do it. And then read the book after yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. A, that my answer. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. So the next question is what's your favorite quote? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, a numerous great quotes out there. I, I guess the one I was just saying is to somebody's going to do that deal. Somebody's going to figure out that deal, either you or somebody else you make zero or you make something. And, and that's my mindset. It's if you're willing to figure it out, you know, do it. If not, somebody else will. And I always think of it that way. Yeah. And what's your, what's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Uh, paddle canoe. I paddle between islands. <laughs> I take a canoe, a six man, one man canoes, and we paddle between islands and races. And we used to do it for fun. Been working way too much now lately, but uh, yeah, getting out in the water, grew up surfing and diving and hunting and fishing. And uh, I love being an island, uh, in, in the islands and on the water. And paddling a canoe between islands is pretty amazing. So awesome. it's pretty spiritual. So are you making any changes in your business with the kind of rocky, mm-hmm. uh, rocky mm-hmm. economic things we got going on at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, so I think the huge changes we're going to make right now is uh, 
not what you're going to think I'm going to say is we're actually going to push. We're going to buy. Dude, me too. I was, <laughs> I was thinking that this morning. I was like, I want to lean in. I want to I wanna lean, lean in. in. Yeah. 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 I think a lot of people are going to be howling back and there's going to be a scarcity mindset. So I did the same thing in 2019 and uh, really made a killing then. And everyone, 2019 was a, was a recession. We had two quarters of the GDP dropping below zero. And that's what we're about to have right now. We're having two quarters of the GDP dropping negative. And that's what makes a recession. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll be conservative on our ARV, on our numbers. And we'll be a little conservative on how we analyze a deal. But um, I think there's going to be so few houses on the market for sale. I mean, people are not going to be selling their house because they can't, they don't want to go through a new interest rate maybe, or, um, you know, so if I have most of the houses for sale, then I should be well off. And uh, the flips, we we generally buy so low anyway, um, you know, that are great. So I think, you know, once everyone starts buying again, you're almost too late. So you want to be buying before everyone else starts to buy (laughs) because you want to be selling them. (laughs) And how can our listeners find out more about you or get in touch with you? uh, Yeah, awesome. Um, Indar Hawaii. I'm all over uh, Instagram, Indar Hawaii, um, excuse me, uh, Facebook, Indar Hawaii, (laughs) uh, LinkedIn, and uh, Twitter and so forth. Or you can uh, text me. 808-989-2323 808-989-2323 or indar at ourhomeinvestments.com. But go to my Insta, DM me. I love talking to people through uh, direct messages. And I actually love helping people and answering questions. So anyone out there, I'm an open book. There's abundance for all of us. There's enough money for all of us to make money out there. I really want everyone to succeed in life and message me. I'll be an open book and tell you what you know, I might be pretty honest with you and tell you <laughs> that deal sucks. So be ready for it. Um, but I, I'm, I constantly help people and talk to people through Instagram a lot. And I, I think there's enough for all of us out there. And there's, you know, I want everyone to succeed. I would love for any new person out there just to do one flip and to make something, yeah. you know, out of it all. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Indar, thank you so much for joining the show. I, uh, I'm about to go follow you on Instagram right now. And I'm, I'm glad we got a <laughs> Thanks, chance to chat. And yes. I can't wait to, uh, to come visit you in Hawaii. So I'll, Yes, I'll, yes, I'll come down. I, I got a ton of Airbnbs and I got the turtle cars going with them and all that great stuff. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll definitely look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Yes, right on, Sterling. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at Rent Roll Radio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.